Engaging Leader Podcast, Episode 9. Does your leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome, leaders. Today, I'm excited and actually a little bit nervous to be talking about a topic that requires some uh, vulnerability, quite frankly. We're going to be talking about the power of authenticity. My guest today is Dr. Dave Stokowiak from the uh, Coaching for Leaders podcast. Dave is a leadership coach, educator, and trainer, and I've been listening to your podcast, Dave, Coaching for Leaders, for uh, a few months now and definitely always find value from it. Thanks for being on our show today. Hey, Jesse, thanks so much for having me and thanks so much for being a listener. I'm just honored to get connected with you and to be able to dialogue with you today. Well, we are going to be talking about a, a topic that uh, it has really become a buzzword, I would say, authenticity. And you hear it a lot and, and I I think sometimes it's it's misused and uh, and there's certain pitfalls uh, regarding authenticity. So I thought it'd be good to talk with you um, about what authenticity is and how really how best a leader can uh, can put the principles into action. And the the this has been a topic I've been thinking about for some time as I've watched different leaders provide good examples of authenticity. I've certainly seen leaders be inauthentic. And then I've, I've seen leaders almost be too authentic, if you will, and reveal so much that it wasn't exactly helpful, I think, to the audience or to their ability to serve that audience in the future. And you and your wife recently uh, had an episode where you talked. Uh, you were talking about apologizing and feedback, yep. and the the topic of authenticity came up on that episode, and and that's what made me think I, I really should get you on on the Engaging Leader podcast to to delve more deeply into that topic. Jesse, this is something I've struggled with as a leader, as the host of a podcast, and I think you hit the nail on the head of exactly what I've struggled with, which is how do you balance the the correct balance between revealing and sharing and being transparent with people in a way that is um, real and genuine, and at the same time, not making the mistake that I, I've also seen some leaders make of revealing too much and talking too much about oneself and, and sometimes sharing things which really maybe are best unshared. And I think that that's a really hard uh, that's a really hard balance to find. And I think a lot of us as leaders really struggle with that. I know I do. And so that's something I'm, I've been really looking to do more effectively on, on my show and in my interactions with people. And I know that I tend, to, I tend to err on the side of not sharing enough. And that's something that I'm always trying to coach myself on is how do I be more authentic and really connect in such a way that people really... Um, see me as perceive me as genuine. I mean, I like to think I'm always genuine, but I know that it's not about what I am. It's how people perceive me. So that's, that's a struggle that I've, I've had uh, for, for many years. How would you, how would you define authenticity? 
I think for me, it comes back to what you and I had talked over email prior to getting together today. And you had just said something that I think is brilliant when it comes to authenticity, which is from a leadership standpoint, is what will best serve the people that I'm leading? And so for me, when I think about authenticity, it is thinking about if I'm going to talk about something or try to be transparent or give someone feedback or whatever it is that I'm thinking about, is really looking at it from what Dale Carnegie said almost 100 years ago, is try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view. And if I can put myself in that person's shoes and think about what's going to best serve them, then that's, that's where I should try to aim as far mm-hmm. as authenticity, as far as really being truly connected with them. Um, and, and I have an example, if that maybe is helpful around this. Um, Great. Several years ago, I was working with a colleague who, um, although I didn't formally manage, I was sort of managing this project that we were working on. And throughout the time, this, this was someone that was more junior in their experience to me and the project we were working on. And throughout the time that I was working with him, he would always say to me, I, I would really like feedback. Anytime you have any feedback, anything critical, anything positive, you know, I'd really like to hear feedback. I really want to know how I can improve. And, and, and I said, okay, great, you know, absolutely. And so, uh, of course, about three quarters of the way through the project, one of our clients who was on this project came to me in confidence and said, I'm really not happy with this aspect of how this person is interacting with me. Um, and, and kind of went through some conversation with me and gave some examples of some things she wasn't happy with. And, and then said at the end, but promise me you won't say anything. <laughs> so this, this is a little off topic maybe, but just to, as a side note of value for I think anyone listening, um, it's just, you know, one of the, my wife's been a great teacher for me is, is and on this point, is to never do that to people. <laughs> like if you don't trust the other party that they can handle the information in the right way, you shouldn't be telling them in the first place. So it's always a really difficult situation to be in when someone says, gives, reveals a whole bunch of information and then says, don't tell anybody. Um, but seeing as though this was one of our clients, I obviously couldn't, <laughs> couldn't uh, set that information aside. So I'll, I'll tell you, Jesse, I really struggled with this for a few days. I was thinking, well, I know that this person would want this feedback. I know it would be valuable to them to hear this feedback. And at the same time, I also wanted to honor the request that was coming from our client and so I don't remember how I responded to the client, but I know that I didn't promise that I wouldn't say anything. So what I ultimately decided is I came back to this, what would best serve the people that I'm leading? Um, we were far enough in the project at that point that the feedback wasn't going to make any difference as far as what had already happened with the client. Um, and so what I ultimately decided to do was the best way I could be authentic is I would give him that feedback and, and actually give him the detailed feedback that person had shared but I waited until the interaction with that client was finished. So that was, I think, a couple weeks. And I, you know, I'd, in a different situation, I'm not sure how I would have handled it, but I, I really tried to find a situation where I could still be, find an answer where I could still be authentic as the leader, at the same time, um, also not put people in really uncomfortable situations for no good reason. And what I ultimately figured out is it was not going to serve anyone for me to give that feedback at that exact moment. It was going to make the relationship between those people really uncomfortable. It wasn't going to change the outcome of the project at that point. And so 
But I'll tell you, I, I struggled with that for a couple of days trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to approach this the right way? And I, I really did come back to what's going to best serve everyone involved. And that's, that was what was going to be best in that case. Mm-hmm. And then what you just described too is, is being honest um, and being yourself and being honest is in contrast to what a lot of us do, probably because we learned to do it way back in grade school, and that's to sort of put on a mask and try to be the, the person you think you ought to be instead of who you really are. Oh, and you, you couldn't have nailed it more for me, Jesse, as far as what I've most struggled with, which is trying to, in many points in my career, trying to be the person that I thought I should be or that people wanted to see versus being really myself. And this has probably been my biggest struggle in leadership and in interactions with in the business world over the years, because I had convinced myself fairly early on in my career that in order to be good in leadership coaching and training, facilitation, and all the things that I did, that I had to be an extrovert. I had to be someone that really interacted uh, well with people, that I, that I had to love being around people all the time, that I had to get all my energy from people, and that if I didn't, that I couldn't be successful in this field. And to the point that I had gotten so good at convincing myself, I didn't even know I had convinced myself of this. It was so ingrained in my subconscious that when I would take the uh, personality instruments like MBTI or DISC or any of the instruments, I would always come out as an extrovert. No uh, kidding. Not strongly. I would always come out as an extrovert. Oh, yeah, all the time. I probably took the MBTI 10 times and you know, over a course of 15 years, I'll always come out as extrovert. And, and on the occasion when I'd get an assessment that told me that I might be an introvert, uh, I would just dismiss it. <laughs> <You're> like, <"Yeah, laughs> <be right." laughs> because look, I'm pretty successful in my business and I couldn't be successful in my business if I was an introvert. That just wouldn't, uh, wouldn't adapt. And I finally, um, it, it wasn't until I went through training to be an MBTI facilitator, an instructor, and it was an intense five-day training and really looking at yourself and how to facilitate MBTI and giving people feedback. And it, it came out pretty strongly in the interactions and the exercises that, you know, and feedback from the master facilitators that uh, my preference was introversion for wow. sure. And, and I'll tell you, uh, Bonnie and I, I, my wife and I did this training together because we're both in this field and we were driving home from the training one night. And, and I just remember I was just stunned. I'm like, how could I possibly be an introvert and be successful in this field? Like, I can't do that. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it took me a real, because I, for years, had convinced myself that I have to be one way. And it took me, you know, probably weeks and months after that to really kind of come to terms with the fact that, you know, actually... I don't have a lot of those preferences. And yes, I can step into that role when I need to with clients um, and, and when I should. And we all step into all different roles all day long. But that that's not my quote-unquote default setting. And once I got, I realized that, Jesse, my stress level went so far down in just of how I was stressing myself out because I always felt like I had to be, you know, I had to enjoy being around people all the time. I had to be around people constantly in order to really feel alive. And once I realized who I really, my true preferences, I am so much more at peace now. And I've done so much better at serving people and, and really tapping into the strengths of the people around me who really are truly have that extroverted preference. 
and who do a better job of it than I ever did. I have a colleague right now, we're working on a project, who is masterful at just being around people, building relationships quickly, um, connecting with people she's never met. She is amazing at doing that. And I can do that, but it's, it doesn't come as naturally to me. And I love having her on projects because she builds such great relationships with clients and it benefits both of us. It's, it's, it's fantastic. But I had to learn myself really well first and get some really good feedback before I could work to my full potential. Mm-hmm. I like you used the term stepping into a role. And I think that's a, a an interesting term. I think that's important because being authentic uh, means you need, I, I think it means you need to kind of know who you are and be honest about who you are and be vulnerable, um, open, you know, open-hearted, if you will. But sometimes it's still appropriate, it can be appropriate to step into roles that take you a little bit outside of that zone or I guess, and really being a leader is a, is a role. You're stepping into a role as a leader. And sometimes uh, I think that means having to be very clear sometimes about what you're bringing to the, uh, the situation that others need from you. And so that, that's sometimes where you are making decisions about what role are you going to play. And w- Would you say that stepping into a role is different from wearing a mask? Yes, because I think stepping into the role, or a role, is a conscious decision that we, we make as leaders to, again, go back to that, what's going to best serve people in the situation. And putting a mask on is, at least for me, is either something I do because I'm trying to hide or something that um, we do because we're not conscious of it. And for me, that was, that was what happened to me of having this, thinking I had this preference for extroversion for years, and I had to be like that. It was kind of almost putting a mask on. And the only one I was really fooling was myself, because I had colleagues who afterwards would say, oh, yeah, we knew. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't know why you didn't think that. Um, so, it's, so for me, those are very different things. And I think that there are times that it really is important to think about which role you're playing. I, I think about a recent situation I had with a client um, it was probably eight or nine months ago where we had, I was doing some online facilitation of a leadership development program. And one of the things, of course, I'm always trying to do is be more authentic. And it was right about the time that our son Luke was born. And so, you know, like any new parent, I had, you know, pictures and all these, you know, neat things that I wanted to share with people. And so on this online forum, I had, uh, you know, where they had like a profile set up and everyone had their own little profile and you could put pictures up there. And so I put a picture of my, my son and me up on this profile. And uh, the way that this website, this online form was set up is that anyone whose photos got put up, they, they kind of filtered through on the homepage. Well, I was the only one who had put up a photo. So it was me and my son on this page when you went in and, and you know, clients were interacting there. And I remember about a week after that, the contact of our client called me and she said, you know, I, I've been kind of struggling with this, but I wanted to give you some feedback. Um, I'm not sure that the picture of you and your son up there is actually helpful as far as getting buy-in from people on this forum. And, um, and, and you know, anytime you get feedback like that, it's always hard to hear. And mm-hmm. so it was, not a, it was not an easy conversation per se. But we, I, I have a really close relationship with this person that we were working with, and we've worked together for years. So we, we actually both just kind of had a really 
open dialogue about it. You know, what's going to be best as far as helping people interact and engage? And what we ultimately decided is that while it was great that I was being authentic, the people in this particular client group were people that were very um, concerned about sharing things online, very social media averse. And so seeing someone online with pictures and kind of family pictures was something that was, we both decided was something that was probably going to turn people off. And, and in fact, it did. I, I know for a fact it did. And so I had to, to step back and actually remove the photo. And, um, and, and, and she didn't even ask me to. I just decided on my own that that was the right decision to make. Um, but, I, but I think that that's also kind of goes back to what I've struggled with too, Jesse, is that um, you know, there are times that we sometimes take risks as leaders to do something or to try to be authentic. And then we, um, we get some feedback that it wasn't the right decision. And I know for me, I have then overcorrected on the other side of now I'm really sensitive of posting any photos or family photos on anything that's anything a client would see or any listeners of our show. To the point, Jesse, where I've had listeners of Coaching for Leaders who have emailed me and say, we know you have a son. <laughs> Why don't you ever have pictures up? And, and so it's always sort of an interesting balance for me of like, I, I want to be authentic, but at the same time, I also don't want to create situations where people are going to feel uncomfortable. So it really does come back to me of, you know, what will best serve the people I'm leading. And I'm starting to hear more and more from the listeners of our show. We'd like to hear more about you. We want to see pictures of your family. So I probably will start to post some photos online or on our Facebook site in the coming, you know, weeks and months, just because that's what our audience is asking for. Um, but I think for me, it's, it's kind of getting out of ourselves of what's, what for me is maybe something I'm doing for a selfish reason as a leader in how I'm communicating or what I'm doing and stepping into the um, role of, again, stepping into that other person's shoes and saying, what's going to best serve this person? And if doing this is going to best serve this particular group of people, great. I should step into that role and do that. But if, if doing that is going to put up barriers or prevent me from interacting with this group of people, then that's something I shouldn't do, even if it's something I might normally do as a leader or just as a person. And so that's, I think it always comes back to that for me. Mm-hmm. I, uh, another sort of principle of authenticity that I've thought about is, is humility and recognizing that, that even if you are a leader in a given situation, and that may be because you, you, you have certain knowledge or skills that the group needs from you. It doesn't mean you're any better of a person. But sometimes, yeah. and this is maybe a pitfall of un- authenticity, sometimes I have uh, forgotten, I've, I've been a little more over fixated on that and forgotten that I still have to step into a role uh, as leader. Uh, for example, and I've seen other leaders do this too, but one time I was, I was uh, speaking to a group and it was a group of, of uh, homeless men and women. And in this particular mm. group, there were a, a large percentage had um, some substance abuse issues and, and uh, had family problems and so forth. And so I felt like in speaking to them, I, I wanted to not give away the impression that I thought I was any better uh, than them. And I just want, and I wanted to be open about, hey, I've got problems in my life too. And, sure. um, and then I, and I thought then maybe that some of the, the things that I had on my heart to share with them that maybe they would be uh, open to and could learn from. But afterwards, I think I got a little too specific in some of the, the stories that I shared because afterwards I had some of, uh, well, one guy in particular came up 
with me and said something like, wow, you really are messed up. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I, I kind of gauged the group and I realized I, 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 I had gotten so specific that this group c- kind of thought that well, the, the, I, we don't have anything we can, there's nothing we can learn from this guy. And, uh, uh, and it, uh, so in, in my mind, uh, and I've, as I've observed other, other leaders, uh, in, in this case, you know, he thought of me as being very stressed out and be, because I'm kind of an overachiever type personality and, and type A, if you yeah. will. And wow, yeah. you poor guy, you know. <laughs> and I, I thought, you know, the, it, it's kind of like if you, go to, if you go to church, let's say, and you want to know that the person speaking, the pastor, is, an, is a normal person, has struggles and so forth, but you don't necessarily want to picture that person sitting on the toilet. You know, there, there's like, you know that he or she put, they put the pants on one leg at a time. You know that they use the restroom, that they have sex with their spouse, but you don't want the specifics on those. Um, and it's, it's kind of like you, when, when you're stepping, when you're in a role as a leader and you need to recognize what people need from you and what sort of um, perceived competency and credibility you have and with them, sort of what you're targeting, and be sure that you are uh, revealing enough that you kind of stay at that level of credibility at or above that, and not not get so specific that you're you're below that level of credibility. Yeah, it it's a great story, Jesse, of going to speak to the homeless, and you know, I I think the thing for me is just coming back to that again, you know, what is it that's going to help this person in this situation? And for me, one of the things that I've, I learned uh, years ago, I had a great mentor. He would always say, when you go in and talk to someone, go in and talk to a client or a customer, the one question you should always ask is, what do you want people walking out of the room doing differently? So when you're going to talk to a client about training their people, what do, they, what do they want their people walking out of the room that day doing differently after they work with you? And I think for me, I always try to keep that question in mind when, it, not just in a client situation, but in a lot of different actions, is what do I want this person walking out of this interaction with me doing differently? And is the details and the story that I'm going to share or maybe not share going to help me toward that goal as a leader? Is, is it going to motivate this person or is it going to be something that is going to be potentially going the opposite direction? Um, and so, you know, I think that that's, that's a struggle though. It's mm-hmm. really a struggle. And I, and I think as, as leaders, we also have to be really willing to mess up and to do things wrong. Uh, I, I was just listening to one of my favorite podcasts, which is uh, the HBR Idea Cast, published by Harvard Business Review. Uh, I think it's weekly. And they had this guy on uh, who wrote a book called, uh, it was something about, uh, but it's basically about how leadership can be like jazz. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he quoted Miles Davis, who says that um, if you're not making a mistake, that's a mistake. <laughs> and so I think for... For me, what I try to do as a leader, and I know I fall short, is I try to think, keep those things all in mind. And then I also know that I'm going to have days like, like you did, Jesse, speaking in front of the homeless, where I, but despite my best intentions, despite my best, um, my best planning of how I'm going to interact with this person that's going to serve them, is 
I'm going to fall drastically short. And then what do I do with that? Do I get upset? Do I get mad at people? Do I crawl into my hole? Or do I really examine how I did things and, if necessary, apologize to people? Mm -hmm. And uh, this actually reminds me of a story I just heard this week from my wife. Uh, my wife, by the way, is my greatest teacher in, in, in life. And the thing that attracted me most about her, Jesse, was when we first met was just her authenticity, her genuineness. She has this, we should actually be interviewing her <laughs> because she is just someone that I, more so than anyone I've ever met, she is so genuine. She has this ability to always balance what's, what's the right thing to say, but also to not say things that she shouldn't say in certain situations. And I, I don't know how she does it, but she's just masterful at this. And just this week, she was telling me a story. She's a, a university professor. And so she's always working with students who are 18, 19, 20 years old. And so um, she, she runs a tight ship in her classroom. You know, she does not allow laptops. She does not allow students to talk, pass notes, that type of thing. So she caught a student on a laptop this week and, mm -hmm. um, and took the laptop, confiscated it, brought it to the front of the room, made the students sit in front of the room. Like, you do not want to mess around in my wife's class. <laughs> <laughs> She runs a tight ship, and it's good because that's exactly what those students need at that age level. And, um, and then I won't bore you with all the details, but it, it, eventually she figured out that actually she, was, um, she had made an error in this situation and that actually the student you know, wasn't really not paying attention to her and that was actually on the laptop for good reason and apologized in front of the whole class, apologized to the student, gave the laptop back. And she said it was what was interesting about it, she's, she certainly didn't do it for this reason, but was to see the reactions on the students' faces that a professor would stop and apologize in front of an entire class of students. And that, you know, that's not something they ever see. And she was telling me about some of the interactions she had with the students after the class and that, you know, people were just like, wow, they're just stunned. And mm -hmm. what I love about her is her ability to do that in the moment. You know, I will get there like six hours later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, after the, <laughs> But she has this amazing ability to, within the moment, of identify when she's erred and then just to be authentic about it with people and to say, gosh, I'm sorry I messed up. Here's, you know, here's what I'm doing to correct the situation. And that's where I'd love to get, Jesse, as a leader, is to get to the point where not only can I be authentic and to try and plan things out and make mistakes, but then to be able to correct them in the moment and to be able to apologize to people and to have all of that happen, you know, quickly as a leader, wow, that would be a cool place to get to. And mm -hmm. I, 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 I know I struggle with that still. You, at, at the top of our discussion, you brought up a, a, the, the term connection, ma making a connection with people. And, I, and mm -hmm. I guess when I think about why is this whole conversation important? What is the power of authenticity? And part of it is certainly just you know, the fact that it's important to be honest and, uh, and you know, honesty and integrity are important. But um, you, you approach the whole conversation, this whole topic, from a, the leadership coach perspective. And I, I approach it, um, to me, it, it, you know, I think back on the, from a, a communication perspective. And one of the, the sort of classic models of, of communication and rhetoric is the, is the Aristotle model where there's logos, which is the content of what, you, of what the leader is saying, and um, ethos, which is the, your credibility as a person. And then pathos is the emotional uh, connection that's made. And unless you have all three, you're really not going to have much influence over an audience. And 
So you've got to have the sort of rational argument, that's the logos, and you, you have to have credibility. There's something about you or what you know uh, that makes you a leader in a given situation, but the, the pathos, the emotion, emotional connection has to be there, and that requires, that, that gets down to feelings pretty much. I mean, that gets down to heart. And so when, when we can be a little bit aware of our feelings, as your wife is, in the moment, she, she could sort of appreciate what feelings were ca- had caused her to go this way or that way, and then share some of those conflicting feelings with the group, and recognize that the, you know life is complex, and there's sometimes a, a paradox in our feelings. That makes a genuine uh, connection. And, and sometimes it's sharing about, um, you know, maybe mistakes that we've made, that that's maybe part of authenticity too. But I think at, at the root of it all is really just be, being open-hearted uh, with our, you know, allowing people to actually connect with our, our feelings and being aware of their feelings. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to that statement of, you know, this old cliche, if people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And it's, it's an overused phrase, but it's true. It, it really is true that I could, be, I could have all the expertise in the world and have all the right answers for people, but if I don't really genuinely reach out and care about them first, people are not going to have trust with me. And I think that that's huge in authenticity. And that's one of the reasons, of course, we want to be authentic as leaders, but also as husbands and wives and sons and daughters and parents of what is, what is real. Mm-hmm. And that, that builds trust. And um, Bonnie and I have had some conversation about this in the last few months. You know, we're new parents, and we've talked with and, and seen other parents that, you know, there's dialogue around. We were just talking about this this week of what, um, to what extent do you let kids watch, see argument happen? Mm-hmm. Because every couple argues, regardless of the, the situation, how strong the marriage or the relationship is. And so, our belief is that, you know, kids should see healthy dialogue and kids should see argument once in a while. And then kids should also see that that is something that it doesn't have to be scary. It is something that can be worked through and then people resolve their differences. And that that's a really, really healthy thing to see. And that's something that we, you know, Luke is too young to appreciate this yet, but that's something that as he grows, we're already, we've, I can think of one or two situations last month or two where we've had a you know, a, a, a definitely, I, I wouldn't go as far as maybe saying an argument, but a heated discussion in front of him. And, you know, we want that to be part of our family and how our family dialogues and processes things and knowing that that's okay so that we build trust with him and we build him into a person that he knows that argument and dialogue and real transparent conversation is part of being a real person like that's what we want him to grow up and seeing all those things yeah i think that's a great a great example of of how the difference authenticity can make and i mean my, my kid i have four kids ages nine through 17 and i wish i could say that uh there had never been any reason for them to witness a uh, an argument between my wife and i and there's definitely more than just heated conversations <laughs> because we do you know, we lose our temper or get, you know, we, we, we come into a, a moment, you know, with pre already have carrying some irritation, uh, or stress. And, uh, and I can say, so our, our kids have definitely witnessed many 
arguments um, and seen us both, you know, basically having, you know, petty pettiness and hypocrisy. I mean, the, the things that you just sort of don't almost don't realize until after the fact, like, oh yeah, I was sure was a jerk in that moment. And ha- having that, um, and then having the humility to to go back to them and apologize, you know, of course, apologize to my wife, but also apologize to the kids that um, that, that, that this happened uh, a certain way. And, and it's not that every single exchange has to um, require an apology, but you know, when, once, especially once your kids are in junior high or high school, their, uh, their BS meters and their hypocrisy meters are oh, very absolutely. sensitive. And so <laughs> they, they, I think they appreciate the, the fact that you realize you're, you're just human and, uh, and that you are trying. I mean, the fact that you make up and, um, and still have a great relationship and that you apologize, I think does show that you, you're always trying and, and yeah, improving. Yeah, and this, hey, Jesse, would be a great piece of advice, actually, for anyone who wants to be more authentic. And I, I know that this may not be the first thing that everyone would do in the corporate world, but if you want to become a more authentic person, go hang out with someone between the ages of four and 10 for any length of time, <laughs> because... They will call you on it <laughs> if you're not. Uh, I was in the business before I was in the training and facilitation business of, of uh, after-school education for kids and teaching kids math and reading. And you can fool adults when you're not having a good day, but you can't fool kids. They see right through it. I mean, they are so present to the moment, and kids are just so authentic and genuine about what they say. They don't have the filters yet that a lot of us have as adults. And th- it is it is brutally hard sometimes, but also fascinating to hang out with kids and have them dialogue with you about what's going on and, and have them give you feedback because you can't fool them. It is really, really hard. And, um, and that's, that's where I think when I think about things like authenticity, it really does come back to those really fundamental, I don't, I don't want to say easy because they're not, but fundamental things of just how to be present and to be the person that we were all designed to be. And so, um, the more I can do that as a leader, the more I can do that as hosting a podcast on coaching, you know, on leadership, uh, the more I can do that in my client interactions, the better I am overall being able to serve people. And that's ultimately what I'm trying to do. Excellent. Well, that's a, I think that's a good wrap up for what authenticity is and, and the power of authenticity. Dr. Dave Stokowiak, thank you for joining us today and, uh, and sharing from all your principles uh, uh, from your experience in coaching. And uh, I encourage our listeners to come check out your podcast at coachingforleaders.com. Thanks, Jesse. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here and I've enjoyed listening to your show too and can't wait to keep listening. Well, leaders, to wrap up today's discussion about authenticity, let me direct your attention to an excellent TED Talk called The Power of Vulnerability. In this video at TED.com, you'll see researcher Breen Brown, and she shares that pretty much everyone struggles with letting their true self be known. It takes courage, and I believe it takes intentionality, being intentional, to make the connections that will best serve the people that you lead. In the show notes for this episode, we'll share a link to her presentation, as well as to Dave's podcast, and the book that he mentioned today, Yes to the Mess, Surprising Leadership Lessons from Jazz by Frank Barrett. 
If you like our show, please rate us on iTunes. That makes a huge difference in helping more people discover it. Go to engagingleader.com slash iTunes. We would love to hear your thoughts about this episode. You can leave comments on our show notes at engagingleader.com or connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter, where I am at Jesse Leahy. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with mid-size and large employers on internal communication strategies. Find out more at aspendalecommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Arthur Hankey, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Rick Terrence, our announcer, and Christopher Seal, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, whether you realize it or not, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of our opportunities to engage the people we care about.